Coaches, welcome to Keep Your Pads Down. We are a podcast devoted to defensive line play, but if you do coach on those other positions and you're tuning in today, we're glad to have you. But be careful. This podcast has been known to put some hair on your chest, so there you go. You've been warned. Anyway, I'm happy to say this is our first episode where we are coming at you from Texarkana, Texas. That's right. I'm back behind the pine curtain of East Texas and couldn't be more excited to get things rolling over here at Pleasant Grove High School a week from today. So since this is our first episode from East Texas, it's only fitting that we bring on a coach who is currently in East Texas, and that is Coach Josh Lyons, defensive tackles coach at Kilgore High School, who's coming on and talking with us today. Coach Lyons grew up in Coppers Cove, Texas, where he played D-line for the Bulldogs before walking on at Navarro Junior College. From Navarro, Coach Lyons went to Sam Houston State, where he played fullback for the Bearcats. Coach Lyons enters his third year at Kilgore as a defensive tackles coach. And I'm telling you, he's young, but this dude has a bright future ahead of him in this profession for sure. And I know you'll enjoy what he has to say on today's episode of KYPD. Lions, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on to talk some D-line play with us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, like I said before, um, my previous thoughts, big fan of the uh, the podcast. Well, yeah, Coach, and, and, and speaking of that, you know, you have you have an interesting connection to, to this podcast and the fact that you've been coached by three of the guys we've had on here as guests. You, you, you're coached in high school by Braden Cover, who was actually our first episode, and he was the D-line coach at Huntsville at the time. Now he's the DC over at Del Valley High School, over there east of Austin. And I'm sure if you asked him, he'd probably say that it was because he came on this podcast that, that he got that job. Uh, obviously, <laughs> joking, but uh, and then and then you uh, also are coaching high school by Coach Chris Gistor, D-line coach at Angleton. And his claim to fame, as as far as his podcast is concerned, is he still owns the most downloaded po- podcast episode. Uh, of KYPD history. So, and then, and then also in college at Sam Houston State, you're coached by uh, Coach Sadiq Haynes, who is uh, currently one of the D line coaches over there at Sam. So, I, I start off by talking to us about each of those guys and the impact that they had on you. No, um, you brought it up. Coach uh, Cover was uh, my very first varsity coach. Uh, you know, I started off uh, a kid on on uh, JV. You know, going into my sophomore year and. October is kind of the one that, um, you know, really brought it out in me, you know, kind of made me see the light on how good I actually could be. I'm not going to sit up here and pretend I was a little bit of a run-of-the-mill, you know, D-lineman out of 6A, but uh, uh, I got the job done. October is just kind of the one that fueled that fire. Um, coach G, you know, he was our tackles coach, and him and Tober were always together, obviously. You know, they lived together, coached together. Uh, the two peas in a pot, you know, really. Um, great guys. Coach G actually stole me for a senior year, and I ended up playing some tackle when we would flip and flop with that stuff. Um, now, when I went to college, uh, I started off my first year with uh, Louis Fritz and his offensive staff. Um, and then Chase Keeler came in and brought Sadiq Haynes with him. And Sadiq is. You know, if you sit down and talk with Sadiq, he's kind of a unique, unique case. Uh, he started off as a you know, CIA type build, offensive staff. 
you know, because he eventually worked his way up to uh, to the D-line and the position that he's in now. Listen to the guys, you know, big, big role models to me. Um, guys that I still frequently talk to, you know, I'm on the list of defense when we on text and Cobra for, you know, drills, you know, with Coach G for tackle stuff. Uh, just guys that really make a, a big impact in, in the small world of coaching. Well, yeah, and you talked about, you know, you referenced your high school, 6A high school, and, and that's, of course, Coppers Cove, which has gotten, because of, of Braden and, and Coach G, has gotten a lot of talk uh, on this podcast. Talk about what it was like just coming through a, a, a program like Coppers Cove, which uh, a program that's held in high regard across the state. You know, Coppers Cove, and uh, I guess I'm, I'm speaking very biasly because, you know, I was, I'm not going to say I was, sheltered football wise but you know cove is kind of exclusive to that pentex area until playoffs and then you get you get into your luck getting long views and all that um but cove's kind of unique and that's one culture shop that i've kind of figured out uh you know working out here in east texas uh we get a lot of move-ins because of the military um but a lot of it is really really structured you know a lot of places struggle with stuff like discipline and whatnot uh or just flat out, you know, just rules. Um, but we were always pretty good about that. Being being a, in a uh, a senior class that kind of followed up Robert Griffin and his his legacy. Um and you know, his legacy kind of following up Charles Tillman as long as Dunstall uh it, it definitely meant something to be there. Um and, you know, going back to reference Cobra and uh Coach T, you know, they definitely really, really instilled it in us that uh, we can be somebody, you know uh, one thing that kind of stands out to me about Cove that, you know, a lot of people may or may not know is that uh, uh, it, it was very, very, up until the last couple of years, you know, it was very, very structured uh, with the way we did things. Not a lot of things changed, um, you know, defensively. Uh, same 4-2-5 front that we were running for. You know, I don't even know how long Coach Brock's been there forever or was there forever. And, and like I said, you know, everybody in town kind of knows who you are. Uh, and so from there, you went on, and I know you played some Juco ball first and then, and then landed at Sam Houston. So talk about your experiences there at Sam Houston. Me ending up at Sam was not necessarily a mistake, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was. Uh, I ended up walking on to Navarro. Uh, didn't get too many offers because, you know, who wants a 5'11"? 235 defense then. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, like I said, I walked on at Navarro, um, played D line there, and then they switched me to fullback. And, you know, I was, you know, I, I thought I was in that. I ended up leaving, and I sat out a semester uh, after after our my first season at Navarro. So I came home, you know, I, I almost was to the point I didn't even want to play ball anymore. But uh, Coach Brock sat me down and said, hey, you know, if I was you, I would go someplace like Sam Houston where you could still walk on and, you know, compete for a national championship. You know? And like I said, being young and not being necessarily exposed to FCS ball, you know, I'm thinking it's some D2 school. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go up there and have a great time. So, you know, it just kind of uh, hit the nail on the head and ended up going and then found out what it really was. And I really bought into that program what they what they were doing up there in Huntsville. So. Well, talk about, uh, again, you know, a very successful program in Sam Houston State. Uh, what was it that that 
was the key to your success while you were there? Uh, I think the biggest thing uh, for my success at Sam Houston was definitely my position coach. Great quarterback, great back, tight end, whatever you want to call it. Snipper, you know, everybody's got a different name for it now. Um, and and uh, like I said, Kyle Siegler, the tight ends coach, really kind of you know, made everybody invest in what we were doing. You know, I walked on as a D lineman. I was almost positive I was about to get cut. And one day, Siegler comes up to me and says, hey, man, you like to hit stuff and run into stuff. How about you come in and try out this fullback spot that I got? And, you know, like I said, I was already kind of in that place where, uh, I, you know, I may not ever play again. So I said, why not? And ended up really, really liking it. Ended up getting a starting fullback spot. Um, play a lot of special teams. And, uh, you know, I just really bought into that culture. And then once we had the staff change, you know, a lot of guys wanted to leave. Like we didn't know what was going on. And then Sadiq and Coach Keeler. And, you know, we had Matt Powlich up there with us. Uh, we had Patrick Tony with us, guys who, who turned around and played, or not played, but coached at ULM, Alabama, you know, Lafayette, you know, guys that really, really kind of took it in stride and just made what we thought was already great into something better. Um, you know, they, they provided a real, real good culture for what we were doing without, you know, changing the culture that we already had. Right. Well, you mentioned someone who we hadn't, we actually didn't talk about this person earlier, um, but you mentioned Matt Pallage, who is a, a high school teammate of mine and uh, just an unbelievable dude and great coach. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was like that in high school. And, and he has a great story himself, you know, walking on at Sam and, and playing fullback and, and being all conference. And uh, he has um, been fortunate to uh, run into him as he, has has recruited the San Antonio area kind of at, at all those schools he's been and seen him at clinics and stuff. And what an outstanding guy and, and really a, a great, great coach and an even better person. And so I can imagine with all those guys surrounding him, you just mentioned some great coaches that may not be household names to a lot of people, but uh, recognize talent. And again, you mentioned coach Siegler kind of just seeing you and identifying you as someone who might be a better fit at H back and that really saving your, your career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, and to this day, you know, people have different opinions. You know, I got teammates that think one way or another about, you know, such and such, this coach did this, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly, gladly put my name on Kyle Siegler just like you did for me. So well, That's awesome. That's awesome. Great story. And I, just, uh, again, that's, that's awesome that you had a coach able to step in like that and, and really – recognize something in you and and it sounds like you know where you're talking about coach brock you're talking about coach siegler any of those other guys that you relied heavily on those coaches to sort of help you through your football career yes sir well as you were getting wrapping up playing was coaching something you always wanted to do or is that something that that came that came about later on uh you know it, it was always one of those things that was kind of on my mind uh my parents are actually, you know, they they both are retired military. They both served 30 years. Um, and then they got out, and they didn't really have anything to do. So they started a couple of AAU basketball teams. And, you know, being young and kind of having to deal with it and seeing how stretched out they got, you know, I never understood it. You know, when I first went off to school, I was thinking, I want to be, you know, an athletic trainer. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then, just kind of to backdoor everything that we've talked about so so far, I just 
sat there and thought about all these guys that have impacted me. You know, yeah. Uh, when you've got when you've got parents that are deployed every other you know month, every other year, you know, if you invest your time into something like football, those are those are guys that really kind of step it up and you know show you show you that there's more. You know that 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 you don't have to be the kid with the oh I'm upset because my mom isn't around. I'm upset because my dad isn't around. You know those guys. You know, invested in me, so I, I kind of feel like I, I owe it to these kids nowadays that are in athletics, especially with the way things are now, that, you know, I, I should do that for someone else. Well, Coach, as, as as you mentioned, you know, now that you're the roles have kind of reversed and now you're that coach, coaching those kids that may be doubting themselves or maybe not have the best home life. So what are some ways that you look to connect with those kids and kind of do the same thing that your coaches did for you and identify something in them and find a way for them to be successful? What are some ways that you do that with your kids? You know, it's, I guess for me, it's a, it's a little bit of a different situation. You know, uh, a lot of the guys on my staff are a lot older. Um, you know, they've been around the mill for a while. Um, I'm, I'm a younger guy, fresh out of college. You know what I mean? Uh, hot, hot off the street from Sam Houston when we are so long ago and all of them. The biggest thing that kind of stood out with me to everybody that I that I've named so far is that they've always connected. You know, they did. You know, they would smoke you when they had to, but they were always real with you. They didn't. They didn't sit up here and oh well, you know, it's always you know. You always hear the term football's business. You know, it's it's a business, and for for them, yeah, they made us understand the business aspect, but they weren't sitting on us, harping us, running us every day. You know, if we screwed up. Hey, you screwed up, but that's all it has to be. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and just to kind of give you a little example of that, you know, I I had a I had a little stint in college. I had like a sleep problem. You know, I was like sleep deprived for a week or something, and I just kept on missing meetings, and you know, because I couldn't sleep. And Cesar brought me in the office one day, sat me down, gave me all my stuff through the week you know we went over everything kind of a one-on-one meeting and then we had a we were supposed to have a meeting at like five that five that evening he said you just go home and there were never any questions asked about it you know and yeah maybe sometimes that's not the way it should work but instead of sitting up here and you know, hey i'm gonna take your scholarship it was like hey dude i'm trying to take care of you let's let's get it together so we can get on the same page and keep this thing rolling yeah you know? yeah and and kind of like you know, uh, sat up here and referenced my age earlier. You know, my guys are only seven, eight, nine years younger than me. You know, we a lot of us still listen to the same music and whatnot. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of got I kind of got uh, stuck being the music guy now for the weight room. And hey, what do you guys want to listen to today? As long as it's clean, I'll put it on the playlist. And you know. I kind of just boost morale a little bit with them, you know, uh, feel like somebody's invested in them and what they like. Well, so. I think, I think the word, the key word that you, that you, um, that you said there was, was that, you know, your coaches were real with you and that was something you recognized because, you know, kids can see through bull crap, you know, they can see, they can sniff, uh, so they can sniff that out when you're not being genuine and I think as as coaches, I mean that's that sounds like as a young coach, you mentioned being straight out of college, but that's you're already well ahead of the curve there because you get that. You get that, hey, if you want kids to follow you and listen to you and, and jump in the boat with you, you gotta be real with them. Absolutely. Uh, so so that's that's a great 
uh, that that's great that you already have that understood because that's that's really half the battle because once once you can uh, understand that and allow yourself to be vulnerable uh, especially as you mentioned with today's athlete uh, then 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 that's when the, the teaching can can really start and and you can like you said your coaches smoked you when they needed to and, and you can do that uh, once once those kids see that you're you're genuine and that you have their best interest in mind. So I'm curious, yeah, I'm curious as a guy who played football in college, you know, bounced around in high school and then in college, you know, between D-line and fullback, as you, as you transitioned into, trans, transitioned into, into actually coaching in high school, coaching D-line, was, was it kind of like riding a bicycle sort of as you go back in, to your, your D-line, D-line days in high school? Or what was the biggest change for you going from playing fullback in college to coaching D-line now? Kind of like you said, it is like riding a bike. You know, I just had to get back into that mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and even to this day, you know, we'll sit up there and we'll be game planning. You know, uh, somebody that uses a sniffer and big RPO team, and I'm sitting there thinking the offensive side of it. You know, hey, how how would this get messed up if I was the one running this offense? Yeah. You know, I I think that I think that helps us out uh, big time. But at the same time, you know, I'm I'm still, you know, on, with this only being my third year, it's still hard for me sometimes to look at the big picture defensively, you know. And it's kind of like putting a square peg in a circle hole, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned something that, that's, that's tough for all of us coaches, no matter how long we've been in it, especially – well, I, I say especially D-line coaches, but I'm sure it's true for any position coaches. that you get focused on your guys, you're, you're thinking about how everything affects them. And sometimes we have to really fight that urge to just get caught up in what our three or four guys are doing and really see how things uh, all fit into the big picture. So that's not something that's unique to you, I promise you. That's something we all we all battle. Okay, so let, let's talk about uh, about Kilgore a little bit. You're at Kilgore High School over there in uh, Northeast Texas. It's a great high school program with a lot of history. So, so talk to us about uh, just what you've learned so far and being there, about being a coach and 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 about being successful and how how to basically how to be a, a football coach there in Kilgore. Just trying to get a job, you know. I was I was willing to take almost anything, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I, I got I got lucky with the whole D line gig, uh, and you know, uh, and I'm I'm sure we'll cover this later. But uh, I I actually only coach the tackles. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have our head coach Mike Wood. You know, he he splits up with me and he'll take the hands. And if you ever get to sit down and talk ball with uh, Coach Wood or just talk D line play at all, the the guy is phenomenal. You know, uh, he played at Long Tech. He knows his stuff. And, and it definitely helps me out big time. Um, the other thing that really helps me here is, you know, being paired up with the head coach. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I get I get my mentality of how to do stuff on top of the way the head coach sees stuff. And, you know, well, I think, I believe me and him do a good job of melding it together. You know, uh, sometimes he's the buffer. Sometimes I got to be the buffer. But it is what it is. You know, me and him both have a common understanding of how we want things to work. You know, obviously having a transition back into defensive mode, he helps out big time with that. You know, sometimes I don't understand why we would play, you know, certain front to a certain formation, and he, he clears it up tight today. You know I mean? I'm really lucky to be with Woody. And on top of that, you know, I get, uh, I picked up Coach 
Dylan Hall's job, who is now our line coach, and he was in the same boat as me for, uh, I believe, he coached the D-line for five years and then switched to the O-line. So if I ever get confused about what we're doing or need more clarification, you know, I got I got two great resources to go to. Well, yeah, Coach, that's that's awesome, and you're very fortunate to – it's really, really unusual to – uh, have your head coach also coach in that position with you. So that's, you know, and that could be, that has the potential, and, and you know, depending on where you are, what, where you're coaching, that could be a bad thing, but it sounds like that's a really good thing for you and, and a great setup to really reduce that learning curve as a young coach and kind of get you broken in the right way uh, there over there at Kilgore. So walk us through a, a typical D-line practice at Kilgore. What skills are you guys teaching uh what what drills do you like to use to cover those skills walk us through just a typical practice over there at Kilgore so uh, I think I don't think it's necessarily unique like something that I kind of never heard of until I've got until I got down the 4A ball but uh one thing that we do because we have so many two-way players is we'll split the day up so half of our practice you know roughly uh 24 periods you know half of our practice is uh, offense, half of our practice is defense. Uh-huh. Um, some of our some of our kids are one-way kids. You know, we we usually have about five or six that are one-way kids, and they're with me and Woody all day. Mm-hmm. But usually how it goes is on top of the day being split, we also split the days of the week. So Monday, Monday, I'll use Monday for example. Monday may be uh, all run fit day or, you know, run technique. Um, just mm-hmm. working on schemes, half-line, uh, drill called base two and away, still release. Um, and I'm sure this is stuff that everybody has some variation of doing, and, and we can get into that later if you just want to know more about it. Um, but then on Tuesday, it may be pass day. So we'll work, you know, the hoops, pop back moves, uh, low cuts, uh, pass rush stuff. Uh, <clears throat> and then that's the days that we will usually pair up with the uh, O line and hit our one on one. Um, the Thursday may be a simulation of both. Thursday is a walkthrough. Friday is game day. So, um, and we have a lot of drills that we just kind of stack, and we kind of form out our practice around what our kids need. You know, uh, as coaches, you know, we sit up here and we schedule everything out. We script everything out a lot of the time, but most of the time, it's, you know, you kind of – getting to the, the mode of doing stuff just to do it. Um, I feel like one good thing that me and Coach would do is we really, really evaluate our kids every day and say, hey, if, if they've got, you know, the alignments, they, they understand their alignments, then we don't need to waste 10 minutes sitting here seeing if they can line up, you know. Right. You know start, we're not going to sit up here and do start reviews for 15 minutes. We'll do it for five, but we're not going to waste all day doing it. And I, I feel like one thing – that we do a little bit unique for past days and just because we do flip and flop and we do have kids that sometimes, hey, they may miss out on, you know, uh, a pass take, you know, we call it pass take. It's just breaking down a pass rush move and implementing that move. Uh, they miss out on, may miss out on that. But our kids are to the point to where they'll sit there and, you know, we might hit it again next week and they're helping each other out, you know. And the kid that may have learned it may be going to offensive, you know, in between reps, he's telling him, Hey man, you, you know, you're working full slide. You got to club the corner and get around, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's one thing that works or a couple things that work out pretty good for us. Yeah. And, and I, um, 
kind of like you, I I haven't been to a school yet where we had to share a lot of players, but I'm actually heading into that situation where we are going to be sharing players more and more. So it's something that that I'm definitely interested interested in because I just don't have a whole lot of experience in doing that. So I'm curious, is it tough sometimes for the kids when you're when you're presenting a, a defensive game plan, uh, and then they're turning around and getting an offensive game plan? How do you keep those two simple enough to where those kids aren't feeling like they're overloaded with information? Definitely, and you know that's something that even even as simple as we do keep things, it does get confusing. Um, you know, especially coming into this year, you know, our offensive coordinator left, he went to West Rusk. Uh, we've now got a guy who's been around and he's moving on up to the OC spot. So, you know, the offense is no longer triple option. It's now into its own, like, pro-style stuff. So the kids are more worried about that than the defensive stuff sometimes. And it's like, guys, like, it, we're running the same stuff. We're just using different names. like. Um, and, and I use the offense as an example because our defense hasn't changed much in the three years that I've been here, or two years going on three years now. Um, but still, you know, we've got kids that are concerned with the other side of the ball sometimes. And the hardest part is, you know, I sat up here and harped on how me and Coach Wood implement stuff that me and him need, or well, the kids need, that me and him need to work. And I think that's where it gets hard and confusing is that sometimes, you know, this group of kids may understand it, but those two way guys, not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I think one thing that really helps us out in that direction though, is keeping it as simple as we can. And I try and teach when we're teaching a certain scheme, uh, I try and teach as, as, as clear as day. Hey, you know, we, uh, and I'll give you an example. We have a, a Q call, and Q has the letter Q in it. Defensive ends are going to the Q. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It don't get much harder than that. Like, yeah. On, <laughs> well, yeah, I would imagine. I'm just, and again, I, I'm about to be in this world uh, and be living it every day. So I'm just, I can all I can do right now is imagine. But I would imagine it would really have to. You, you really just have to focus on being a great teacher because, like you said, you have to be as clear and concise as 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 possible and keep things simple. And I would imagine really focus on the fundamentals of that position. Like what's the most important thing these kids need to know this week and cut out all the fluff and the extra stuff that exactly. looks cool and, and really focus on what skills do these guys need to have to be successful this week. And I think one thing that we've really benefited from this year is, you know, uh, do I all change the rule where we can have our, our uh, like, non-padded practices in the summer, uh, during summer workouts. Right. You know, uh, you get your two hours. Yeah. Uh, I'll take about 30 minutes, and I'll take whatever group of kids that I have, whether it be, you know, uh, at all ends or all times, I don't care who it is. You know, I'll get them together. And we'll go over our fundamental stuff because now that we have we have that ability to have those two hours, I'd like to go and just kind of focus on scheme as opposed to sitting there and hey, for the first two weeks, all we're going to do is stand. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, and and I, you know, we have one kid who's really, really been hitting it on the head this summer. Uh, you know, he struggled with his password stuff. So I'll pull him to the side when we're going over everything. Me and him will work nothing but pass rush. And now he's he's 
phenomenal at it. You know, I think he's going to be big time for us. And he's a one of those guys that we're considering for a two-way spot. Yeah. You know, whether that be a package deal or not, you know, he, he's he's to the point now he can he can do it. He understands enough of it to where he can do that. Well, talk to me about film study with those guys. Is that something that uh, during the week, are, are they watching it with offensive and defensive coaches? How do you split up film study uh, with those guys who are two-way players? Yeah, definitely. So uh, the way we do it is, you know, and some people may bash us for it, you know, um, but this is the only way that we can time it out with our kids with eighth-period athletics is, you know, uh, We'll have 15 minutes with the defense, 15 minutes with the offense, you know, or if, and then we'll, we'll flip if that makes sense, you know. So you're technically in a 30 minute meeting. Now, if you're a one way player, you get 30 minutes all defense or 30 minutes all offense, you know, but those two way guys, they flip at the 15 minute mark. Um, for us, when we do our film Saturdays, that's when we're watching game film. Uh, all throughout the week, you know, we'll go through and we'll show them the clips that we need to show them, you know, you know, their favorite top five runs or their favorite four pass protections, you know, if, if that. Um, and then during the week when we sit there and watch the film, we'll go through practice and we'll watch, because we're just the linemen, uh, you know, we're usually just watching the inside segments and the team segments and just rolling, you know, uh, we're we're really big on trying to correct it on the field as fast as we can. And if you can't, if if the kid isn't tracking with it, you know, we'll come back to, you know, note it on the film and we'll go through it and break it down there. Right. Um, and, you know, some people are, are big on not coaching on the field, you know, get the reps and coaching on the film. But because of our schedule and the way we do things, uh, you know, it's not feasible for us to do that. Right, right. I'm curious, do y'all use a lot of, uh, you know, time maybe pre-practice or post-practice or maybe why, while uh, some you're doing a special teams where those guys aren't involved, do you ever steal reps, to, you know, during those times? Um, just because of how our staff situation is, if, if we have, uh, you know, uh, a special team segment, we're usually, we'll, we'll work our JC kids at that time. Okay. Um, so for us, and that's another hard thing, you know, you talk about special teams, you know, we're all split up, you know, defense may be working kickoff or JV kickoff and offense may be working varsity kickoff return. Right. You know, even though they're looking at cards and, you know, draw, or doing those schemes, it still benefits us because we can say, hey, this is the exact same thing we're doing on our kickoff, except you would be in the L1 spot, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's, like I said, it goes back into the two-way thing, and then it goes back into the time management thing. Yeah, yeah, of course, and and that's just like you like we already mentioned is you have to be great at time management, and you have to be great at teaching, and, and again, boil it down to the the fundamentals and the most important information that your kids have to know that week in order to be successful. Well, you, you mentioned some drills earlier uh, that you, that you and and. Uh, Coach Woods go through. So talk about some of those drills that you like doing with your D-line guys. Definitely. Uh, so run day, and I'll, I'll kind of break down our big three. Um, and it shouldn't come as a surprise. We're big on agilities. Uh, we we have, you know, bigger guys, 
got to be able to bend, got to be able to pass rush, you know, got to be able to hold up during double teams. Um, and so we'll start off practice with an agility segment. It usually runs about 10 minutes. And those agility segments are actually based on what day it is. So uh, a run day may be just straight bags. We're going through the bags, you know, uh, one foot in the hole, two foot, three and go, you know, lateral shuffle, all that. Um, past day may be, hey, you're going over three bags and running the hoop. Okay? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's just a warm-up on top of, you know, kind of like you talked about earlier, you know, we're, we're trying to steal reps with that. You know, we're trying to put stuff together that is fundamental for them, that they'll, that they'll actually end up doing, you know, running the hoop. Like, come on, man, run the hoop. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then we'll, from there, kind of depending on what the day is, like I said, and uh, I keep on referencing that because that's, that's the big part of what we do. What day is it? Um, we'll go to, uh, usually we'll start with some type of uh, steer and release type drill. So what we'll do is we'll fit on, uh, we won't make them get in stances, because we're saying at this point you've already, you've already placed your hands on. Yeah. And, you know, we give them that perfect world scenario because that's the way it should be. Is it really going to be like that? No. But if they can understand the concept of what you're trying to get out of a drill, then usually the hand placement, if it's terrible, it kind of goes out the, out the door, you know, because they understand, oh, this is still my gap. If I can put my head in the gap, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So we'll have them sit up, uh, we'll steer left and right, we'll just have them go like four or five hard steps, um, and then from on that steer, we're having them work their releases. Um, so we have three releases that we really, really use. Um, well, that's uh, snatch release, which is just snatching them across your body, staying in your gap, um, and this is all for zone stuff, too. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and we've got, our, uh, we've got our arm over. Now, we're, we're real, real sensitive about the arm over because a lot of kids are thinking it's just a swim you're just swimming yeah window washing our, exactly and a lot of kids don't understand and sometimes i have to hop in there and you know go back to my fullback days and demonstrate yeah but you know they throw that arm up over there well i'm gonna put my hand on your hip and just wash you out the hole and it's pointless yeah you know and then uh last one is our quick rips now our, for us one thing that we do is uh we have we say quick rips but there's two ways of doing it. We'll have them um, kind of key the ball in their cylinder, and we'll just have them rip and get out of 45-degree angle like they're cutting off the ball carrier. Yep. The other one, we're, we're saying it's, it's wide zone, it's stretch. you got to get down the line now, and we'll have them rip and get down the line. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a big, you know, we try and hit that one every day because – Get real, kids get real lackadaisical during the year about it, you know, about their releases. Um, and then the other one, third one for past day that we'll split up and do is uh, we'll hit we'll hit a lock recognition, you know, just some variation. Um, usually Woody's with the ends, like I said, and we're working base down and hook because to me and him, um, the only three blocks that you really get are base downs and hooks. No yeah. matter what the scheme is, that's all it is. So. We'll sit up there, we'll go through that, and then from that uh, block recognition, we'll get into our two-man groups. So we'll have two offensive players, um, and then we'll have one D-lineman. So for Woody, he'll split up, and sometimes it may be tight end tackle. It may be sniffer tackle. It may be you know pistol back and tackle. And we're just working all the looks, everything that you can get from those two yeah. guys. 
how to respond to them. For me, I always do uh, guard tackle, and I all I do is I'll tell the guys, hey, this time we're, you know, I won't move them anywhere, but I'll say, hey, we're in a three. This guy's the guard. This guy's the tackle. Okay, and then I'll have them work the schemes from there. Now I like being in two man because that gives me time to work. You know, all the double team stuff, all the chokes and pulls, because we have different rules about chokes and pulls. Um, you know, so that that's one thing that we really, really hammer every day, too. You know? Yeah. Okay, so I, I really, I, I want to unpack all those drills, if you don't mind. At, at least the, the steer drill and the, your block recognition drill, for sure. So let's back up to your steer drill, because, you know, I think if, um, you know, we had a, uh, we had a coach... Um, Coach Sean Wynn, who's uh, the D-line coach at, at uh, Galena Park North Shore now, who uh, mm-hmm. really talked a lot about the steer drill. And that's an old Pete Jenkins drill. You know, uh, he played for uh, Pete Jenkins at LSU, and that was a drill that if you watch any Pete Jenkins videos, they're doing the steer drill. So walk me through, like, if I'm if you're coaching me up on steer drill, what are some things you're telling me? Uh, first thing, you know, uh, one thing that we harp on big time is our kids have to learn how to press and penetrate. Um so we'll have the kids set it up, you know, uh, my, my, as a defensive player, my hands are going to be as, as quote unquote perfect as I can get them. Offensive guys, we're going to have them leaned and putting pressure on them. We yeah. want the defensive players hips down, you know, like he's, he's almost like he's coming out of his stance. You know, we yeah. want him to focus on rolling those hips, extending them arms and penetrating and separating. Um, we're looking for long arms and then, while we're steering, um, we use the times push and pull. So yeah. if I'm right shade and the guy is trying to zone me to my right, I'm pushing with my right arm, I'm pulling with my left. I want to put the offensive player in a disadvantaged position. Yeah. Um, so almost, you know, it's, it's you know, exactly like you were talking about the Pete Jenkins, you know, uh, you can find any Pete Jenkins cut up of that happening, and that's what we're looking for. Now, when it comes to the releases, and we make them do it on the line because yeah. we want to see if they're penetrating. Exactly. And we tell our we tell our offensive guys, you know, who, who are defensive guys, so usually they're quicker bodies. So the reactions want to happen quicker. They're not as heavy as all the linemen, so sometimes the look isn't the best. But we tell those offensive guys, guys, take them. I don't care if you have to hold them, okay, if you have to grab the back of their jersey, take them. Make them work for it. Um, and then, like I said, you know, we'll sit there and we'll go through those releases. Now, snatch, um, a lot of people teach snatch different ways. Um, for us, my biggest thing is uh, it's, it's almost like, and I don't know why kids like this so much, but it's almost like uh, like dabbing. You know, all the kids like to dab. And, stuff <laughs> now. and I kind of tell them, hey, throw the guy off the bar. You know, so you're looking for two hands sweeping away from you instead of pulling the, the, the offensive guy to you. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, coach, I got to call you out a little bit on the dab because, you know, dab's been out for a couple of years since Cam stopped doing it, you know. So, but I, I get you, though. I get you. That, yeah, I, I understand. That's hey, and anytime you can tie that stuff into technique, that's a plus, you know, uh, even if it is a couple, exactly. even if it is a couple years, a couple years out. The only reason I know it's out is because my kids told me that. So that's that's the only reason I'm not a I'm not an expert in pop culture, but I got you. So you talked about having perfect hands. What, what does that look like? What do perfect hands look like? Uh, for us, we're looking for one hand on the view of the neck, uh, your uh, your right hand, well, technique-wise, I guess, or 
for the sake of the drills, uh, we're looking for that. The other hand, you know, one hand will be in the middle of the chest, the other hand will be on. Uh, we call it a target. You know, if you look at every jersey, it's always got like the Nike logo or something yeah. in the top left or top right. That's where we're yeah. kind of wanting that other hand to be. Yeah. So you yeah. can work that push pull, you know? Yeah, I got you. And then as you're going down the line, you know, you're wanting to be, like, like I said, if you're doing this on a yard line, you're wanting to be on that offensive lineman's side of that line. And, yes, and then we're wanting to keep our feet square, right? Like we don't want to get our hips turned to the sideline because then we cut ourselves yeah. off. Absolutely. And that's, that's why we use the term square release because our hips are always going to stay square. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I guess, I guess with, are they even staying square on like when you're saying it's outside zone uh, up until the release point? Yeah. So, and that, and that's where our, our whole theory of the cylinder comes in, you know, um, you should be able to take your arms, stick them out like a 45 degree angle from where you are. That's your cylinder. If it's in your cylinder, you know, you, you're never going to turn your hips from that point. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. To me. Yep. Okay. So let's move in and, and unpack that, um, your, your block recognition drill. And it sounds like you're doing it in what, what, what kind of like what, what I've done is in, in pods where you have basically two guys on one. Uh, is that right? You have two guys, two, two of your defensive guys who are, you know, pretending to be offensive, offensive linemen, whether it be a, a tight end and a tackle or a guard and a tackle or whatever. Is that right? Is that yeah. how y'all do that? Yeah. And are you standing that, back behind that defensive yeah. guy kind of, Finger painting, showing them where you want those 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 guys to go, or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, like I said, we'll fix it up. We'll give them every single block that Jerry and Coach Wood can take of, and we'll go. We'll start off right shade. We'll go left shade. Uh, and like I said, for me, because they're I, I deal with the tackles, I never have to move them. I just tell them, hey, this time you're on the left side of the line, playing one, or you know. Um, now, Coach Wood actually has to move his players right shape by shape to move the sniffer and adjust everybody. Um, but, yeah, exactly like you were saying. So, I'll sit there and I'll finger paint. You know, I may tell them, hey, you know, uh, this is the tackle, this is the guard, and you're getting the pull right now from yeah. this guy, and tackle's doing this. And I, and even though I don't have a center to choke on them, like I said, we have different rules for what we do out of a one, a three, a four, all that stuff. Um so I kind of want to see their reaction, even if there is nobody, you know, directly impacting them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll, like I said, we'll go through every block. Uh, we'll go through pass protection sometimes. Uh, kind of depends on flavor of the week. You know, one one thing that I actually have never, ever seen in all my days of football was a nose guard getting red out of shotgun. Like, old midline style, you yeah, know, power yeah. read now. Most yep. of the time it's the ends. You know, we started getting hit with it, and that's one thing that I had to work with those guys. Hey, if nobody touches you, sit down in the hole. Yeah. You're playing in now. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, you didn't all of a sudden become, you know, Vincent Wilfork and just pass rush that, you know, get past that dude. Uh, exactly. You know, if, it's, if it's too good to be true, it is. Um, it's it's kind of like, a, you know, Coach Cobra told me back, well, I think it was my sophomore year on – if it's easy, it's sleazy. Don't take the bait. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Coach Cobra, I'm going to steal that. I probably won't give you credit either. But, uh, okay. <laughs> well, you talked about, you mentioned this term choke. What, what does that mean? Uh, choke would be a, a center blocking back on the oh, back okay. of the nose. Okay, and then, I got you. Uh, guard pulling out. I got you. Now, 
I, I say that, uh, you know, these are those butt sweep teams, and sometimes we'll be in a, almost an odd front. It's our slide front. Yeah. Um, yep. And we'll have we'll have a tackle choking, and the guard still pulling out. Well, tackle still responsible. Like defensive tackle still responsible for that guard. Um, but it's any type of back block and then a pull. You know, whether that right. be two or away from the right. Okay. So we haven't really covered that much on this podcast. So talk about your coaching points for that. When you're getting that that block back pull uh, or choke, as you would call it, well, what's your coaching point for that? Well, so we, we have three rules, um, and they're predicated on what alignment we're in. And it's because our backers, you know, our backers can play it different ways. Um, now, I'm nothing but the D-line coach. I can't sit up there and tell you how it goes together. But, like I said, we got three rules. So, um, and I, I use the term spacing. Hey, how much spacing do you guys have? If you're further away from the center, you've got the leniency of that guard pulls. The, the center isn't going to get to you. Just run the hoop and follow the guard. Yeah. Uh, now, if we're if we're in a one or a zero, a shade, whatever you want to call it, um, and that center chokes you and that guard pulls, we've got two options there. Uh, we can either do what we call headbutting and sliding, which is just getting the next gap over. You know, uh, your hands are going to transition from that guard and put them on the center just – you know, you're going to fit them up for a one count and then get over to the next gap. You know, yeah. shrug them out yeah. there. Um, the other one that we do, and this is, you know, probably the easiest to teach, um, it's just slamming, what we call slamming. So when that center chokes, you know, and you're in a one, you don't have enough space to chase the guard. Right. You don't have, or it may not time up right, and you may not be able to headbutt the slide. So slamming is just playing the choke like a base, and we're going to slam it back into the gap and let the backer go now. Yes, yeah. And so whether or not that nose guard is is vacating his gap is dependent upon what your backer is doing behind him. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. And and because obviously, you know, if if I'm if that nose is is crossing face to that center, then that that mic back or whatever's got to fill his a, a gap. But if, if if your nose is staying put, now that mic can fit his gap his original gap. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's where that communication has got to come in, like you said, but I like having those three, those are, those are great techniques and, and ways to teach that because that can be a tough, um, a tough block sometimes, especially when you're lined up like in a two eye, uh, or, or a one or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, when that guard disappears and that guy, they want to run up field, right. And then they're getting blindsided by that center and, uh, it, it just doesn't end well for those guys. So that's a, that's, that's a. Uh, those are great techniques uh, to teach that. Teach that kind of block. Do you? Do you? Uh, this is a problem that I have that I run into a lot with that drill that you're talking about. Your block recognition. You got the two linemen. You know, pretending to be defensive linemen. Is you that you get kids who want to try to guess what you're doing, right? Who they want to try oh, yeah. to. They want to <laughs> anticipate, and they think that it's going to be a reach, or they think it's going to be a double. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes they'll fall flat on their face, or they take a false step. Or they're just trying. They're trying to play the drill. So yeah. it, if you could answer this question, then you can be a really rich man because you can write a bunch of books. But how do you get kids to not do that? Now, I, there's no way to stop the gap. I'm just bad about it. Now, the one thing that I do, um, and you know, some people may harp on me for it, but it's the only way I can do it. Um, just 
because, like I said, time management, and I'm trying to get kids reps. I have the varsity kids and the JV kids together. Yeah, you know, so I'll make I'll make three or four groups, and we'll do it all together. Right, and I'll stand. You know, a lot of the time, and I got caught my first year with this, and they didn't tell me until after the season. And I'm sitting here thinking they're world beaters. I'm like, man, this kid's great. And they would just look at the shadow on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, so I've gotten to the point now, you know, I'll go out there and I'll, I'll take off my hat and I'll do it on the inside of the hat so they can't see the shadow. Yeah. Um, another thing to kind of sure up, regardless of, you know, my thing is, if you understand what the intent of the block is, um, then you can correct yourself. You can yes. you can speed your feet up to your hand. Yep. Um, so one thing that I do is I'll, I may put an agile in front of them or, you know, a, a swim bag. I may put my foot in front of them so I know that their first step is forward. So even if they do try and guess or know what the block is, they still have to, you know, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the ability for them to fall step out Yes, and make making them speed up their feet. Yeah, you know, I'm putting them in the negative position. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's been beneficial for me. You know, because for me, it stopped the false steps. M- most of them, I'm not gonna say all of them. It stopped the majority of them. And like I said, it's taught them to go what I call "oh crap" mode. Like right. "oh crap, I'm wrong. Let me get there." <laughs> right, right. So, and I think especially if you're in a, an attack front. Which sounds like y'all are. If you will, if they'll just understand, it, if you'll come off and just take your 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 take your first step, like you always do, come off and attack first, read second, then you're always in a good position. But they they get it in reverse a lot of times. They want to try to try to take a tentative first step and read and see with their eyes what's going on instead of having eyes and the problems in their hands and getting their hands on that guy as fast as they can because that's gonna that's gonna help them diagnose what's going on faster than trying to pop up and, and look at something. So that's easy for us to say, and that's a lot harder to do. And 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 th- this is not a um, a sexy answer, but it just takes reps. You know, the, exactly. the seniors are much better at it than sophomores, and just because it takes a thousand reps, and it gets takes for them to finally trust their technique and trust that that's going to help them recognize a block better than trying to pop up and and look at it or something. Exactly, and that's that's why I, I get as many reps as I can with as many groups as I can. You know. And the thing that I found out about having bigger groups sometimes is, yeah, I'm not going to be able to watch everybody at once, but we can go through the cycle, you know, three or four times in a five-minute span, you know? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Okay, so so we've we've got through those drills, and and we've covered, um, you know, block uh, destruction. We talked about agilities. What are what's an area or aspect of D line play that you feel is often overlooked or undercoached? Uh, honestly, and truthfully, and and you know, I, I've I've been harping on this one myself a little bit, you know. But I always ask my kids, "Hey, what do we need help with?" And for some reason, all of them always say pass rush. And to me, the concept of pass rush is is easy. Yeah, and I guess yeah. I guess it's because I was an offensive guy, you know, and and the back of my head, like we talked about, it's still ingrained on me. You know, I'm if I'm playing O line, I'm taking three steps or taking my three kick steps, and then I'm setting up. You know, yeah. depending on what the protection is. You know, so uh, or whether it be uh, slide protection. You know, he I've got to slide down to this gap. I'm not responsible for this end anymore. Um, and I, and I say I'm using these examples because 
I almost want to say in the aspect of pass rush, it's the overall scheme. You know, kids want to take those read steps and sit up here and just go, oh, oh, okay, now I got it. Like, no, you got to figure it out. We, we have to get better. Uh, and this is just something I've noticed in our conference. It's something that all the D-linemen have problems with. You know, whether that be Carthage or Henderson or Kilgore, Van, you know, everybody is almost like one step behind. And I think it's because these these younger guys don't understand the intent, you know. Um, Cobra was real good about teaching us that if I take my first step back and I give you that high pad read, and then I take another step back and I still have that high pad read, it's more than likely pass. Yeah. Now, if you take that one kick step back and you throw your hands up in the air and look like you're about to clap your hands together, it's a spring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I sit down and I, I really harp on my guys about that, you know. Guys, what is the intent? Okay, how are we going to deal with this pass rush? You know, what, what is the pass rush here? Right. You got to understand quick sets and long sets and jelly sets and vertical sets. You know, and I think I think it's more common now that a lot of guys just put athletes out there and say just run around them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you're opening up lanes, and that's why quarterbacks get to scramble. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I think we've all been there where you just get the kids where it's an everybody in the stadium knows it's it's a passing situation. And you've been working on pass rush all week. You know, maybe you, you, you've got a move that y'all been working on. And it's in that crucial moment, the ball snap, and the kid just runs right in the middle of the, the tackle or the guard and just buries their face in their chest and just kind of gives himself exactly. up. And and you just want to eat your script, you know, that you're, whatever you got that you got in your hand there. Because, yeah, I, it's like, you know, you, you got – they don't have a plan. And ultimately that's on us. That, but teaching them that plan and having a, a plan of attack and being aware of game situation down and distance things like that. So I, I'm with you. I think that's you know pass rush gets a lot of, of publicity, but um, sometimes, especially at, at the high school level and even as you get down to the smaller smaller levels where you are sharing players, sometimes pass rush doesn't get a whole lot of time devoted to it. Exactly. Or or they'll sit there and turn. They'll be great at pass rush. And turn base blocks, yeah, down blocks into a pass. Exactly. Like, Dude, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, third and one, and they're pass rushing. Yeah, yeah. So you're exactly right. I think it's, and I think you're dealing with kids who have a low football IQ. You know, who aren't yeah. out playing ball as kids. You know, they're inside playing a lot, doing video games or whatever. And and so it's um it's really on us to teach that stuff and teach them and, and not just assume that they know it, but teach down and distance and situational football and knowing what to expect. Kind of like what you said, what the intent of that block or that scheme is to help them kind of understand what's going on. Well, so you, you, we've already, we've touched on pass rush a little bit. So what are some other, some other things that you like to teach as far as pass rush is concerned? You mentioned, you know, you're the tackles coach. So those are, mainly your guys, that's uh, that's kind of a tough area to pass rush from. How, how are you coaching up pass rush with those guys? Uh, kind of my biggest thing with them is regardless of what we're doing, you got to understand where you fit, even even if it is pass. Um, kind of a base rule for us, and this kind of helps them determine what moves they can use, 
Um, is if you're the, the one or the two odd, you know, you're not the strong side of the defense because uh, we set our strengths to the back of the tight end. You know, you're, you're the weak side. You are not allowed to cross the center. So his pass rush line will be from the center to the outside shoulder of the guard. Yeah. Now, and and I, I do that because if you look at any Bob protection, any 50-51 protection, they always – slide the center and the guard together to double team that guy. Yes. So right right there you've taken on a two for one. That's a win in my book. Now um and that, you know, we have different situations for that. We have different techniques for what we call the vice. Um now if you're the three or you're out there on a four or you know, we call I call that with my guys, I call that the island. So they get a lot more leniency out there. Um regardless though you know, me and Coach Wood really do teach for the first couple of weeks. We do teach our pass rush moves together. So, you know, and we're real basic about it. You know, club grip stuff, yep. your power moves, all that. Um, and and we're, we're real, real good about it. I think one thing that kind of messes my guys up, um, and I haven't, I haven't really mm-hmm. corrected it yet, but I need to this year, but I, uh, you know, all my defensive tackles for some reason think they're ends and that they can just pull slide everybody. And it's like, dude, you're in between three people. It ain't going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, in my games, I do have some tackles that are pretty damn good at power moves. But just like you said, they get down the middle of guys and I need to get them to start working half a man. Yeah. Um. So, and that's the other part of our whole conclusion that we kind of deal with as tackles is, you know, I got to get those guys going on half man moves. It has to be half a man. It doesn't matter if you're in the vice. It doesn't matter if you're on the island. It has to be half a man. Yeah. And another, another thing that we focus on at the tackle spot for pass rush is what kind of set you're going to get. If you know that you're the, the weaker technique, the two eye, the one, whatever it is, the shape knows, and you know you're going to get the vice, then you need to, uh, you know, have a move ready for that, you know, yeah. and know what kind of set you're going to get. Yeah. Now, if you're the three, you know you're going to be man on. You know that guy's got to kick some. You can make those quick set moves. You can make those deep set moves. It just depends. That's that's where your read comes into. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and sometimes, as we've talked about on this podcast before, it's not all about getting a sack. It's about affecting the quarterback. And, exactly. and that, that those guys, especially that knows who's taking on a double team, that could be really frustrating for them because, yeah, they are getting doubled, but they it's really up to them and us teaching them how to create their own space because there's not a lot of space in there. But you can take you know film study and know how that, that guard or that center, how they're going to work together and how they're going to set. Maybe one of them lunges, maybe they soft set, whatever. And then you can kind of come up with a plan based on that to help yourself be successful. But like we've already mentioned, it goes back to you got to have a plan. There's got to be a plan of attack in place to attack those guys. You can't just run through the middle of somebody and expect to get a sack. Exactly. And, I mean, one thing that I think has kind of helped my guys out is them starting to understand those rules and understand uh, and just kind of our base fundamentals. If you get a quick set, you use a quick move. If you get a deep set, you move. You use a, uh, an actual move. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yes, you yeah. Know, we just we would call it a move. Um, for almost a quick set, would equal you know a club or a, you know a quick counter step and go. Um, a deep set would be your pull slides, you know your long arms. Uh, you, 
maybe power, depending on who it is, depending on what type of guard body type it is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, coach, as we uh, as we get ready to wrap this up, we got a, we got a few. I've been doing this a little bit differently each week and kind of coming up with some different wrap up questions for you. We got we got three questions for you to wrap this thing up, and the first one. Uh, first question I have is is about a coach that you've mentioned that that, that coached you at Coppers Cove and and is now at Dell Valley High School uh, as a strength coach and that's Reb Brock and and I have um, coached with a with with one guy who's who's co- who's coached at Cove uh, Jeremy Shannon and uh, have have been around some other guys there at Cove and I've heard a lot of Reb Brock stories I'm sure most of them have maybe some truth to them but there's one story in particular. That I know is it's been it's been uh, corroborated by by two or three other coaches, so I know it's true. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm just teasing that because we may save mm-hmm. that for a later episode. But do you have a great <laughs> Reb Brock story for us? Uh, I got I got a pretty good one. Uh, okay, you know, uh, coming up in Coppers Cove, uh, got to spend a lot of time with that coaching staff, and you know, uh, Coach Brock has three sons. Uh, one of them played at. Uh, UTEP, the other two played at TCU. And the younger one, Cooper, uh, you know, he was, when I was a sophomore, he was a senior, and we're playing Belford. And I think it was, I think it was like third quarter, maybe, zero to zero, and they end up throwing a bubble screen, and Cooper ends up knocking it down and catching it and running it in. Well, <laughs> the whole time, the whole stadium was going crazy, and Cooper's trying to find the official to get the ball to. <laughs> and <laughs> and Coach Brock, I can just hear him from the sideline. He's losing it. He's like, go back, go back, get the rest of the ball. Coops is just sitting there, and he's like, I, I, I'm looking for him. Yeah, I'm looking for him. <laughs> just freak it out, you know. Tight, tight ball game against Melton. Uh, that was here right before they got. Uh, actually, no, that was here right before David Ash became the starter. So, oh, okay, you know, so it was, it was a little, little timid. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I've, I've heard, like I said, that that um, you know, that 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 sounds pretty close to some of the stories that I've heard uh, about him. Like I said, that uh, we might bring up on a later episode. But anyway, okay. Uh, you, you played at Sam Houston. That's my parents' alma mater. It's where I grew up. I grew up born and raised in Huntsville. Uh, went to, you know, grew up going to a lot of Sam Houston games and, and following the Bearcats uh, as a kid. What was your most memorable game while playing at Sam Houston? Uh, probably the Villanova playoff game. And I believe it was 2014. Okay. Yeah, 14. Uh, ended up going up to Villanova. Uh, I think they were ranked number three at the time. Uh, I think we were like number nine or something. Uh, and, you know, we we all go up there. And Coach Key was from Philadelphia, Delaware, all that up there in the north where it's cold. Yeah. And he's telling us it's going to be great weather. And we're sitting here going, oh, yeah, like a nice sunny degree. Yeah, we need that. You know, and we didn't really take into consideration that it was uh, it was winter. We get up there. And it's like 14 degrees because of our hearing that it was going to be great weather. Nobody brought long sleeves. Uh, yeah. So we're like, so we're like covering our bodies at the game and like, you know, like 
petroleum jelly just trying to trap the heat in. Yeah, um, yeah. And they end up they end up punting the ball like their very first punt. And I remember I just came through and I was on the pump block team, and I like slid because of all the petroleum jelly on my body, slid in between them and blocked the punt and kind of set the the tone for the whole game. There you go. Uh, and, I, and after that, we were rolling. And now, after hearing this, all the special team coordinators out there are going to order some petroleum jelly, or at least be raiding their trainers' uh, trainer room for it. Uh, Told you, Ross. My powers about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the secret, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, this one, there's some pressure here because you know uh, this is one where you kind of get to play the role, like you know, like a Stephen A. Smith or whatever. Um, but I want to hear what four teams will make the college football playoff this year? Who you got? I got Clemson, OU, uh, Bama, Bama. And then I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of leniency. Okay? I don't, I don't want to be crucified for this. Okay, But I'm going to go with UNC. I feel like Coach Langos finally got, you know, uh, personnel that he needs and I feel like he's going to be outscoring some school in the ACC so wow so North Carolina as the second AC so so there's going to be two ACC schools and only one SEC school and and, and no Big Ten schools no and, and, wow that is that's a hot take hey hey if 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 that starts if UNC starts to shape up to have a year you're going to have some guys calling you wanting to you know get you on a talk show or something and, uh, you got you got Phil Lindholm, you got Matt Brown. Let's roll. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, um, I, I I can't say that I, I necessarily agree. I think you're a little bit ahead, but but <laughs> but uh, hey, I'm sure I'm sure those guys in Chapel Hill would love to uh, love to uh, prove you right. Okay, well, Coach, I want to just thank you so much for for coming on and sharing with us, and and really um, want to wish you the best of luck. This next season over there at Kilgore, we'll be keeping up with you and and just uh, just best of luck this uh, this next season. Yep, absolutely appreciate you having me on. Man, I really enjoyed talking with Coach Lyons. I want to thank him for coming on and talking with us today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Coach underscore Lions forty seven. Also, if you're on Twitter, check out KYPD's Twitter banner. We got some new drip courtesy. Of Coach Lyons. Yeah, that's right. He's not just a D-line coach, but he is also really good at graphic design. So if you are looking for professional graphics for you or your program, get a hold of Coach Lyons. His contact info is in the show notes. But get a hold of him and he will hook you up. Our quote of the day comes from the book, The Art of War, and it says, Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. Coaches, really appreciate you checking us out today. Football for many of us in the state of Texas starts a week from today, so you know I'm excited. But you also know i got to remind you that until next week, keep your pads down. <laughs>